Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Now, there are so many situations where you need to be productive, whether it's at work or at home and even while traveling. Yes, productivity can now be attainable during a travel trip. And I'm joined by Jessica Prieto to talk about how to make use of our time during the travel and irregular routines sort of come about that allow us to be efficient throughout the whole time. Thank you so much for joining me, Jessica. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, you started your platform in 2017, calling it Travel with Curls, that provided a whole viewpoint into everyone being interested in traveling and looking into different cultures around the world. What got you turning your own travel journey into a platform to inspire a lot of other people? It all started uh, because traveling has been a passion of mine since I was 12 years old. That's when I took my first solo trip at the age of 12 and it changed me and it made me who I am today. And it was not because of the destination, but because of the people at the destination. So that's something that was always embedded in me since I was a young girl. And I wanted people to see traveling more than just the landmarks or the photo famous spots, but to really get to know the different cultures to immerse in people's lifestyle at that destination whenever you travel abroad. So through my platform, I wanted to lessen stereotypes and instead of dividing cultures, bringing cultures together so that you learn that we are a lot more alike than we think. I think that's the thing that we get caught up in. Like, even though there's so many different ways that people go about their life around the world, everyone still goes about their life in a very similar way. That's right. We all eat, sleep, and try to live the healthiest life we can live, right? So that's pretty similar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think our day-to-day is still... It's, it always shocks me just how similar other people are in different countries. I don't know why that still shocks me, but every time I go to, whether it's I go back home, which is New Zealand for me, or I go travel to Malaysia, it's so interesting to see that there's there's a whole lot of people just going about their normal life while I'm I'm feeling like the outsider in that country. So it's it's always nice to sort of see a homely feel and have a homely connection to some parts of the world that you never really expect to. Yeah, and also it goes both ways, right? It's something that you feel comfortable with, but also something that you have to adjust or be unfamiliar with because you get to 
learn about different cultures and even implement the best of both worlds, the best from your culture and from others' culture. And that's something that I've learned to do throughout the course of travels is when I see something that's, that I know will enhance me as a professional and as a, and as a person, I try to take best of each culture and make it my own and implement it into how I do things in my life and in my day to days, both at work and at home. And talking about work, when it comes to your platform, Travel With Curls, how does that sort of really get into inspiring other people to travel and to also be immersed in different cultures? It really starts with me doing it, like practicing what I talk, what I speak. So if I uh, share about immersing in with different cultures and learning about uh, different ethnicities, it starts with me and it starts with me projecting that through my platform. So I always thought since I come from a Colombian background and I grew up within a Colombian household and Colombian friends that I wanted to, once I left the house, is engage with people outside of my cultures. So by showing how I lived my life, by learning different languages, by asking questions, by also letting people know that it's, that it's okay to not know and instead of assuming, ask before assuming. So is really setting the tone to skill sets that uh, you should think about developing whenever you do want to travel and um, immerse in other cultures is knowing how to ask the right questions, is being open-minded, don't jump into conclusions and expect the unexpected because you can never be too prepared or too ready because you are going to stumble upon uh, certain circumstances that are unforeseen. And that's the beauty of traveling too, is the unexpected experiences. Yeah. And I think especially when it comes to being productive, like this whole topic today is travel with being productive and still having that, um, making use of your resources and making use of the environment around you. And I think it's it's a really difficult thing to do. And I think what I was talking about before we started recording as well, it's such a difficult thing to sort of have a routine down while you're traveling with like, especially time differences and right. jet lag yeah. and all those things. So, and I think I'm really excited to talk about that today and sort of have different ways, have your point of view as to how we can make use of our time and really find a purposeful way of enjoying the travel. Yeah, I always say, I love to use the analogy of if you want abs, abs start in the kitchen, right? Not at the gym. Is It starts what you do at home that is going to give you the results at the gym and post-gym. And it's pretty similar to travels. What you uh, plan on doing on your travels if you have a certain agenda if you want to stick to a certain routine it all starts the habits that you develop before your travels so it's a whole experience because let's say if you still want to eat healthy if you still want to somehow incorporate working out that means probably 30 minutes of cardio a day um, it all starts with the habits that you develop pre uh, pre departure because if you try to establish or uh, develop certain habits during your trip, it's going to be really hard. If you want to have salads 
um, twice a week during your travels, but you don't eat salads at home, it's going to be pretty hard to adapt to a certain routine while you're on your travel trips, right? So it's really important to first know what the overall objective of the trip is. So if you're a solo traveler and you want to experience a different culture and you want to come back home with five friends that that uh, you meet there, try five different restaurants. Um, it's always good to do your research at first uh, to know it, a, if you have any allergies because a lot of places um, are, if you are um, allergic to gluten, you need to know where to go or where to avoid. Um, and also if it's a different country, what are what's the language that that country speaks so yeah that you know how to get your way around something that when i was uh, just starting to travel solo i didn't do any of these things right <laughs> i would just uh, go with the flow and uh it's great because you get to learn a lot of the things that you shouldn't do before you travel and it really helped me evolve more as a travel expert and doing the right research, depending on what my objective was and depending on my personal lifestyle too, from what I do at home and how I can somehow incorporate similar uh, features while I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love the way that you look so, you feel so passionate when you're talking about this as well. And it's so amazing to have someone on the show who is, who also practices what they preach. And I think it's a really um, exciting thing to have on the show when we get to actually learn from your own experiences, as well as something, it's like tips that you would have done yourself if you had known them or you would have gone through yourself. So I'm very excited to talk about that further down in the show. Yes. But before we do, I love to start with a little icebreaker just to get to know you as a person before we get to know you as a business and a platform. I'm excited so about this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little icebreaker we like to pray with every guest that starts on. And just share the first thing that sort of comes to your mind when I ask you these questions, when I ask you these phrases, just whatever comes to your mind, it's fine. So the first one is a favorite book of yours. My favorite book would have to be The One Thing by Gary Keller. He is a very successful broker in the US. And The One Thing really focuses on before trying to excel any, on anything in life, just focus on being more or less perfect on that one thing. What's one specialty that people know you for before you try to expand your skill sets or scale your business elsewhere? So that's something that I always try to uh, remind myself when I have so many ideas and so many projects that I want to do, and I think that I can do it all at once, which I can't. I try to go back to that book and remind myself, what's the one thing that people know that you are good at, the one thing that you specialize in, and then you can scale up from there. Well, that is that is actually a good way of thinking. Mm -hmm. It sort of keeps you grounded in a sense as well to keep you thinking, okay, this is my main objective. Exactly. This is the main point. Yeah, that's amazing. The next one is, what about your favorite movie? <laughs> kind of embarrassed to say this because <laughs> I've watched this movie, I kid you not, over 20 times. 
Mm-hmm. I know almost all the scripts in almost every scene, but it's Crazy Rich Asians. Only, oh, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really makes me want to go to Singapore. I'm pretty sure that they had that intention to kind of promote visit Singapore. And let me tell you, I'm sold on it. Yes. No, I can understand that. I mean, I'm Asian as well. So coming from that background and coming from like, okay, really seeing how um, how true it actually is. It's insane how how real yeah. that whole idea is and how we sort of behave as a as a culture. It's it's very true. So um, yeah. But more than that, I found it very fascinating that it was the first all Asian uh, cast. Mm-hmm. So it made history, and that's one thing that I'm again very passionate about is lessening the stereotypes, and it really broaden the perspective that a lot of people had in the Asian culture. It really gave people more respect and start seeing them in a different way. Like, mm, wow, okay, I didn't know that many things that they found out about in the movie. So it really opened up the eye to a lot of people and changed perspective. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it was such a, such a good show. It was such a good movie. It was such a, I love the way that every character portrayed it really well. I agree. Yeah. Um, And fun fact, I don't know if if, uh, you knew this, but Henry Golden, Mm -hmm. the one one of the main uh, characters in the movie, he actually was a food critic, so a food blogger, uh, pretty similar to Anthony Bourdain. So he loved going to different street food vendors and sharing his experiences tasting food. They approached him, I believe, seven times. Six times he rejected the role in the movie. He said, I'm not an actor for movies. I'm a food blogger or a food journalist. And it was the seventh time that they approached him that he finally gave in. And now he's been starring in so many movies after that. Well, that is a real... I didn't actually know that. So that is a very cool fact to know about him now. I'm telling you, I'm a huge fan of the movie. (laughs) Then, I can tell you now. Little, but <laughs> travel, no, food, and culture. That's why I like that movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. It sums it up perfectly. <laughs> now, the next one is your favorite podcast. Have you heard of Jay Shetty? Yes. Yes, yes. I have. So, the one podcast is The Seven Habits of a uh, Confident Professional and How to Build a seven ways on how to build confidence and it talks about one way to build confidence is in knowing how to do planning properly and how to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable and adapting to different environments and i feel that that podcast really aligned with me because when you do travel and i've lived out of a suitcase for 12 years and due to the pandemic I stopped traveling. Mm-hmm. So that's whenever I finally d- decided to, okay, let me settle down in one place. Uh, and it's because of that skill set of adapting to environments and settings that you're not accustomed to really helps you gain and develop that confidence whenever you go to networking events because you are put into a circle of strangers, an unknown environment, and it's 
one of the biggest fears that people have, right? Is going into a room by yourself. How can you build that confidence? And the best way is by doing, by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and environments constantly. So that's something that he talks about very heavily in that podcast and is one that just stuck with me. Wow. I, I hear him a lot and I think I love the way that him and his wife um, interact as well. Yes. I think that's such, such a cool way of the way that they go about their life. So I think I listened to their podcast or I think maybe it was an episode where they did it together. And yeah, that is just the way that he sort of goes about and talks and practices what he yeah. preaches is very interesting. I agree. The next one is a famous role model that you have. I would say is Bruce Lee. Bruce okay. Lee, although he's not obviously alive anymore, but he's someone since I was a little girl that um, I watched all of his movies with my father. And uh, watching his movies um, and also Enter the Dragon was one of the first Kung Fu movies in Hollywood. So he broke status, uh, status quo and uh, he's still very much respected today. I took... Uh, Taekwondo and martial arts as a young girl, and they referred to Bruce Lee quite often uh, in the way to develop mental strength. Physical strength starts with the mind, and that's something that Bruce Lee always uh, conveyed and shared in his movies and in his life. And since I was a little girl, that's one person that I always looked up to, the way that he just built mental strength. So yeah, I would say Bruce Lee. <laughs> wow, that is, it's amazing to see, um, to see a lot of people really sort of seeing him in a different way. Like you see a lot of people just notice him as, oh, this person who acts in Kung Fu movies, but he's so much more than that. And I think it's, it's really nice to hear that people do recognize that and a lot of people do are still able to see that he does so much more than just acting like he's not just yeah. an actor exactly and although he has passed away for years now but his, his legend like he's mm. legendary so his hard work and his techniques still live on till this day yeah. so no, that is that is really cool that, okay i can see that as a famous role model <laughs> Not, not not my usual person that I would get, but I think he's such a he's such a cool person. He was such a cool person. Um, now the last one is a favorite favorite course that you've completed. I would say back in uni, I completed the financial hedge funds and dividends course. Let me explain to you why that's one of my favorite. <laughs> it's okay. so weird. I can't even believe that I, I said that. I know all the courses that I've taken. Uh, Second run up was going to be fashion design and merchandising because it did evolve to where I'm at today. But I would say that because um, it was one course that I thought that because being a female, um, one of the only females who took that course, actually that I was going to be looked down upon quite a lot, which that was the case. And I thought that I was not going to finish or complete the course, but not only did I finish, I ended up doing a thesis for JP Morgan and we, and we got recognized for that till this day in our uni. And I ended up working in the banking sector for about a year after that. 
as a business banker. So because of the completion of my course, I was never good in math, never was good in math. So instead of pushing myself away, A, because I was one of the only females in that course, and B, because I knew that I lacked the mathematical skills, and C, I thought that I wasn't good enough. But then I proved myself wrong, and I saw at the end what I was able to complete because I let myself go with it instead of going away from it. Mm -hmm. No, that is... I would never have pictured that, to be honest. Like this, Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> like that is that is such a cool, cool thing to have and cool thing to sort of pop out and say that that is your favorite course. I mean, I can understand why. Like I've never heard. I'm oh, sorry. I am stunned right now. Um, I would never have heard of a banking course being someone's favorite course to study as a whole <laughs> especially one that hates math and was really bad at it yeah like no that is actually pretty inspiring even someone who hates math and cannot do like i i absolutely hate math there is nothing for me a calculator is like the biggest dream of mine to have next to me for everything that i would need but ditto <laughs> but to have that as your favorite course as well that is pretty incredible and no that is a job well done and should be recognized for a long time and being the only female in that course as well and it not it well, definitely shows your resilience. it shows a lot of resilience on your end so that is that is incredible um all right so we'll go and dive right into the questions so we are talking about travel and travel productivity and staying productive and staying efficient while traveling or on the journey, whether it's public transport or flights or anything like that. So over the course of your experience, how would you define your personal productivity? My personal productivity, I always like to call it with the initials of MBS, MBS standing for the mind, the body, and your soul slash spirit. And it's really focusing on those three factors because they all kind of play a role with each other. And it starts with focusing on developing a strong mindset. How, what are the tools and what are, and how are you going to develop a stronger mind? How are, are you going to feed your mind on a daily basis? And the same goes with your body. What are you going to put into your body? How are you going to develop a stronger physique? And with your soul, what passion do you have? What's going to feed you? What's going to bring you happiness on a daily basis? So personal productivity, it always, for me personally, I have noticed that once I filled those three buckets, then I'm able to perform at my best. And my work in my personal life and in my professional life then reflects very heavily on the quality that I deliver after fulfilling those three buckets. And in saying that, what do you think that some people get wrong about the whole idea of being productive? I would say is thinking that uh, um, having many tasks written on your agenda to get done, thinking that it's the feel good of knowing that you need a lot of things to get done instead of focusing what are the three priorities that you should focus on to complete and complete them well before trying to rush through your tasks to do. So 
is rushing through in order to complete tasks and then doing it at, at a very low quality and doing things without putting yourself and your personal well-being first. And I'm very guilty of that because I have been working as an entrepreneur since I was age of 18 and I'm in my early 30s now. And one thing that I felt that I was doing right with personal productivity was that I was always doing something that was productive and that and that was pushing my business forward. So when I had downtime, if I wasn't doing something for my business or with my business, then I felt like I was not being productive enough. And the more that I grew into my role as an entrepreneur and as, and as a professional and working with a lot of other successful entrepreneurs, way more successful than me, I've noticed that I was doing something wrong and it was trying to get so much done. But at the end, I was burning myself out. Mm -hmm. Personally, physically, I, I was not putting time into my body. So I wasn't at physically at, at my best. And mentally, I was drained because I wasn't giving myself the time to reset and refresh. So now personal productivity to me is focusing on three things that have to get done each day. And if everything else on my list doesn't get done, at least those three things are going to be moving the needle forward for my business. And then fourth thing on my list is focusing on my personal well-being and personal health. And that means doing something that I love that disconnects me from my business, shutting my computer off, making sure that any of my clients, um, having them respect my time because before I was running my business on their time. And I think that's something we're all guilty of. I think it's so easy to get caught up in trying to build your career, trying to build your lifestyle, trying to promote everything. And it's such a hard thing to really take a step back and just see what's making you happy. And especially when you have the idea of, okay, if I'm not being productive, I'm being lazy. And if I'm being lazy, it means I'm not working hard or I'm not working enough. And it's so easy to get, especially with how we define productivity, like we see it as doing something it's always having to do something and always having to be busy and have a schedule and know what you're doing with your time but we easily forget that being productive can just be sitting down and watching watching a movie for two hours because that's what exactly. feeding your soul yeah and like i'm so yes. guilty of that <laughs> Like I, I could not, for the life of me growing up, like if I'm not doing something, I was always seen as I'm not being productive. I'm not making use of our time. I'm like, I just want to sit down and watch a movie, but that was seeing as wasting time for so long. And I don't know what it was. It was just, I never felt like I'm doing enough. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. And I've always had that guilt on me saying that I slept in, right? Because as entrepreneurs and as professionals, you should always wake up at 5 a.m., make your coffee by 5.15 and have everything on a time block schedule, which I have done before. But I find that I'm much more happier, much more successful now watching Netflix, giving myself one hour of Netflix time if I want to, sleeping in, 
but still being just as productive, still completing the most vital tasks on my to-do list on a daily basis. But I'm much happier and much more successful now, now knowing that I am feeding into my mind, my body, and my soul. And my soul can be either sleeping in, watching that Netflix show, or going and playing tennis, swimming, or even dancing. Nothing that has to do with building my business. Right. Yep. But then again, it yep. goes with how are you structuring your business? Because it's also very smart ways to make money while you're still sleeping, automating your business so that you're so, so that you're working less, not smarter, not harder, less, not more. Because a lot of times you think that you need to be working in your business 24 hours in order to make ends meet and in it and in order to be successful. But that's where I was wrong back then. Mm -hmm. And I love how you learned from that. And I think a lot of people are starting, especially when you're in your mid to late 20s, starting into your 30s, your brain just starts being so different. Like, I don't know what it was in my early 20s. I'm 25 now. So like about 2021, there was so many things that I just wanted to do. And I took on every single task that was handed to me. I took on every job, every, cause I was freelancing at that time. So I took on everything that was going on, but I just had no time for anything because I was so, so busy taking everything on that I had no time to actually do a lot of the things. And while I was studying, while I was also working and it was just, it was hectic, but I thought that's what you needed to do. Cause I saw okay. everyone doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would judge the people that would watch Netflix, by the way. And now yes, I'm so happily, <laughs> I'm very proud to say I sleep in and I watch Netflix and it has nothing to do with personal development, uh, documentaries. No, no I just started, I watch K-dramas. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I disconnect and I get transported to a different country, to a different world. So I try to do anything that I can fully disconnect from yeah. my world. Exactly. No, I think I think that's what everyone really needs to know about productivity and being productive. Now we're talking a little bit more into traveling while being productive. And you started your platform, you started your business, Travel with Curls, and you extensively discuss travel and your own personal encounters. How would you define what travel productivity is? It's definitely for me and my personal experiences is knowing a lot more about yourself and how you can develop certain skill sets that help you become a better planner whenever you travel a better communicator and a better problem solver so travel productivity to me it's not having the best planner or itinerary it's really knowing how to be the best problem solver, how to be well prepared prior to your travels, because you are going to come to situations that you need, you're by yourself and you need to come up with a uh, solution. And you're also going to have to uh, come into situations where you're going to, yes, have to talk to strangers and have strangers approach you and you just need to know how to have those certain conversations especially when you're in a country that's abroad but most importantly as I mentioned before is really developing those these type of habits if you want a certain routine while while you're traveling it's developing that 
routine and those habits before. So it's really knowing the tools that you need before you travel, doing your research and what language do this do they speak? What's the currency? What's um, what adapters do I need for the outlets? And also if there's a problem that arises, how are you going to solve that problem? And the first and best solution that I always say is you need to let yourself go through those problems in order for you to know how you are as a problem solver. Because part of my business is, yes, I do consult uh, individuals in their travel journeys. So I don't only share my, my travel journeys, but I also consult and uh, people come to me and ask me for my advice if they want to travel solo, if uh, they want to uh, do a group or couples um, travel trip abroad, uh, they always tell me, okay, I want to travel to Italy, to this, so where do I start? It's like, okay. First, you need to know the dates that you plan on going, the season that those dates fall in, so you know what to prepare for how you're going to be dressed. Also, you need to know what are um, what's the best area for you to book your accommodation, if you're going to book an Airbnb, if you're going to book a hotel, how far is it from the airport? How are you going to get from point A to point B? What is the currency that you're going to be dealing with? And also, um, where are these um, points of stations for cash withdrawals, just in case if you need to take cash out there, if you didn't do it before. There's so many logistics that goes into pre-planning. So, if you, I, I don't believe in travel itineraries. I believe in doing your research and knowing how to uh, plan around your trip. And also, it will give you peace of mind whenever you're there. Give you peace of mind while you're on the plane traveling there. So you're not freaking out on expecting the unexpected. So at the end, you become a problem solver. You'll get to know how to be a better communicator. And one trip and one tip that I always advise to. Use your social media, connect with locals. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's red flags. You can't connect with just anyone, but go to your LinkedIn. You, you will meet a lot of professionals just like yourself and they love to talk about their country. Ask them questions about their country. Don't go assuming that the Starbucks there is going to have half and half cream like they do in the States because in the UK, they don't have half and half cream. Right. So don't be alarmed. So there's so many things that you can do prior in order to um, prepare yourself and um, perform well on on uh, your travels that would feed into travel productivity. Wow. And it definitely seems like you have a lot of practice yourself going through um, going through travels and doing planning all those trips and sort of knowing what to face and what's ahead. So how do you think that that has influence, especially being exposed to different cultures as well? So how do you think the whole cultural differences and cultural changes has influenced your own personal productivity? It's definitely helped me uh, become a better communicator. It's helped me be comfortable with asking questions a lot of times. And I'm talking about myself. Many can relate or many don't relate. But I used to be very prideful when asking questions because for me, it meant if you ask questions, it means that you lack knowledge. 
But now mm-hmm. I see it in a different way. If you ask questions, that shows how knowledgeable you actually are because the person that asks questions is the one that has the right knowledge. Assumptions are not facts, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's one thing that I really learned to develop as um, through my travels is being a better communicator, knowing how to ask the right questions or even just feeling comfortable with asking questions and becoming a better problem solver and also being more confident and enjoying my time alone. Because as a, as a solo traveler from the age of 12, something that I've always enjoyed and loved about myself is because of traveling, I can enjoy a meal alone. I can enjoy going uh, to the movies by myself in London, I go to concerts alone and I enjoy the time by myself, but I also know and feel comfortable with making new friends when I'm out by myself. So to me, traveling has really enhanced in the way that my personal productivity works because it feeds into, again, MBS, my mind, my body, and my soul to become a better person and a better professional, both at home and in the office. And it sounds, it sounds amazing. It sounds like a huge way of also finding yourself and exploring yourself. And you see a whole lot of movies and films where they go ahead and they show like Eat, Pray, Love, for example, she finally goes to different countries and sees the world in a different way, immerses herself in the different cultures that sort of takes place. And I get a lot of, I get FOMO when I'm sort of seeing those kind of films, when I'm seeing Eat, Pray, Love all the time. I'm always feeling like there's so much of the world that we're not seeing. And it's so nice to be able to see a world that a lot of people won't usually get to see when it comes to either whether it's platforms like yours, where you're traveling and showing from experiences or whether it's films, there's so many different ways that you can learn to understand culture and find new people to meet, find new people to connect to. So I really like the idea of LinkedIn, by the way, to find, to find new people in that country. I didn't actually think of using it that way. Yeah. LinkedIn, uh, ever since I started my travel platform, I have connected with people from around the world because I am putting myself out there, right? in a very careful way, but I do put myself out there and give myself the opportunity to open up to different uh, connections around the world. So to me, social media, when using it the right way, it could be a huge vehicle to connect you to other parts of the world. And basically like how back in the days they had uh, pen pals, from different parts of uh, the world, it really becomes that, that you become online friends, that you develop this conversation, this connection, uh, asking questions about that certain destination that you plan on going to. And then before you you know it, you can have a potential travel tour guide who is a local. And that's something that I've always tried to kind of encourage on my platform is Yes, you do have to be wary. You do have to be careful, especially as a solo female traveler. Um, But there are certain ways that you can still connect with people, make friends in a very safe way, right? You just have to take certain things into account. But 
there's just a beautiful thing about connecting with the locals and really getting to connect with the culture because you start learning a lot about yourself, not just about the people at the destination, not just different languages, but you start getting to see yourself in a different light. And that's where self-love grows. That's where self-respect grows. That's where self-confidence grows. And you start to see a lot of certain skill sets that have always been there, but the traveling just enhances them and it makes them come out even more. Because whenever we're complacent and stuck in one place, which I was growing up in the States up until I was 19, I knew that if I didn't leave the country then, I was going to become complacent. And the reason why I moved abroad was because every day is a challenge. You're learning a different life, a different way of living, different languages, different system, different everything, right? And the same goes when traveling, whether you're traveling abroad for two weeks, three weeks, whatnot. The best way for you to experience a different destination is is you letting yourself and your bubble go. A lot of people tell me, oh, who are from the States, oh, I've been to Paris, but the people there are really rude and they don't like Americans. It's like, I am not shocked. Uh, Did you try speaking, trying to speak their language? No, they understand French. It's like, no, but you're in their country. They, uh, They appreciate you acknowledging and at least trying to engage with them as a local. Mm -hmm. Like learn certain phrases and that kind of helps you break the ice with strangers. It's like, Oh, thank you for trying. Where, where are you from? And, and like, instead of you being selfish and only thinking about yourself or if you're traveling to a different country, try to go to a local restaurant. And the best advice that I always give is ask your Airbnb host for their, for their favorite uh, recommendations ask locals where they recommend that you go for certain for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Don't go on Google. Sometimes Instagram does help with the hashtags to certain locations, but a lot of times the best recommendations come from the locals them, themselves. Yep. Yep. No, I I totally agree and I think I think having at least a couple of people where you know before you go to that country is always a good thing as well like it was so nice when I go go to Malaysia when I go to New Zealand that I have family that I have friends there that I can sort of if anything goes wrong I know that I have them there if there's something that I need or I need help doing something then they are there as a local to know where to go who to talk to so like from my own experiences as well especially when it comes to the legal stuff or medical stuff, it's always nice to have someone that lives there and at least to have one connection that you can sort of say, hey, I'm in this country, I'm in your country, do you mind if I um, lean on you for a little bit of help or if I, yeah, it's, it's such a nice, it's also for your own peace of mind as well to know that, okay, if something goes wrong, I know who to call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And that's one thing I'm sure we'll, we would probably get into it later, but um, knowing what the emergency contact number in each destination is, for example, in the States is nine is 911 and other countries is different. 
and uh, getting health uh, travel insurance because you never know. I experienced many occasions where I had to go to the ER in a different country, and luckily for with travel insurance, um, I was covered financially. But it's a lot of things that uh, we tend to kind of like look past whenever we're so excited about going to our travel destination. But it's a lot of things, a lot of work that we have to do beforehand in order to have peace of mind and fully enjoy the overall experience of your travel journey. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, traveling often involves long flights, train rides, or even road trips to get to destinations. How can individuals utilize those periods of time in the transit to enhance their productivity? A good thing that I always recommend is if you do your pre-planning right, then you can have uh, that time to whatever you have researched to look through. Let's say if you're going to a different country with a different language and you've jotted down like cheat sheets, I always like to start uh, practicing that language before I get to my destination or where I'm uh, traveling to. So really ways to engage in with that culture and get my myself familiarized with um, the travel planning when it comes to where I'm going, what, um, what my plan is when I'm there and what type of like what are the things that I need to know and prepare for so when I'm there I'm not looking like the typical tourist like where is this like what does this mean what does that mean so it's really doing the pre-planning before you get on the plane or on the train uh, reviewing your notes and what I like to do personally is uh, I like journaling and downloading my favorite podcast prior to my travels but just I always suggest during your downtime and whenever you're traveling, just go over your notes, go over um, the do's and don'ts when you're at, in that country. Like what are the cultural etiquettes? Because etiquette is huge and it's something that um, I always try to push with any of my clients is before you go to any country, Make it fun and productive and study the country, um, the country's culture, the etiquette, uh, the do's, the don'ts, the food. If you have allergies, if you go to Italy and you have a gluten allergy, like where are you going to eat? So it's always, um, I always try to say like, give it, give yourself that time and develop your cultural knowledge and expand your cultural competency when you're traveling. You, you appreciate yourself so much whenever you arrive at the destination and you are well prepared in that way. Yes. I think the one thing that I'm always scared of when traveling and even planning my next, my first solo travel coming up, there's that whole idea of, I hate looking lost no matter where I am. Cause it is, the, I've seen taken far too many times to know that yep. you should never look lost when you're in a place that you don't know. Even if you don't know where it is, you just pretend like you know where you're going and you just go. Because especially safety-wise, there's that whole idea of you still have to be safe. You still have to 
look like a local in order to be treated as a local. And I'm scared. I'm always scared of looking lost. I'm always scared of like, okay, do you need any help? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I know exactly where I'm going, even if I don't. So that's the whole idea in terms like prep for me is just knowing the facial expressions to sort of have the position to also hold as well, where you're just, you look like, you know, everything. Cause as nice as like, it's nice to be approached by people and ask for directions and, but you have to look for the right person to ask for directions as well. And I think I won't rely on any random person to know where to go. I would rely on the person that either works at the train station, works at places like that, who would know, who feels a little bit more legitimate to ask. Yep, exactly. And that goes back in, um, when I said to connect with people on LinkedIn, right? Because you can start connecting with the people online and really asking them these type of questions that that uh, you have, like who can I, who can I ask and feel safe asking whenever I'm there? What's the best point of contact when like once I'm there? And is again doing the pre planning so you can have that peace of mind when you're at the destination. It saves you time, it saves you energy, and it saves you and it gives you more time to spend on enjoying your trip instead of stressing out while you're on uh, your trip. And yes, I always say when you're traveling solo, use your sixth senses. We only have five, but the sixth sense is like the survival of the fittest sense, like <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> your intuitions and that really starts to spark up whenever you're by yourself. Like when I'm on the plane, long, like long flights, I never fully sleep. I close one eye and have the other eye open. Um, and it's just really knowing your surroundings is not just focusing on yourself, but who is next to you, five people down whenever you're walking, whenever, and I try to avoid wearing my headsets a lot when I'm alone walking because you want to know what, like who is behind you, what is around you. And I, and I try to walk or be next to groups of people just in case. So I never, so there's certain ways that you can also feel safe and uh, still not look so lost or very alone. Yes. Now, traveling to new places often means encountering familiar, unfamiliar environments and also disruptions to a regular routine. Many, probably, many people struggle with staying organized and maintaining those routines that sort of take place. What advice do you have for keeping up with work or even personal things when you're traveling or when you're just in a place that you are unfamiliar with? Um, I say that I said this before, and it's something that I stay stick true to, and is developing those habits at home first. Uh, because I, for example, I have my morning routine. I have my uh, break routine, so I give myself a break in the middle of the day uh, while I'm working to kind of refresh myself, and then I also give myself some me time. So when I travel and I'm still working, 
I stick to the same routine regardless of the different time zones um, or the different season or whatnot is of course sticking to the time of that destination but still doing a morning routine a midday routine and an evening routine like keeping it consistent so if i wake up and the first thing i do is write in my journal for 10 minutes and then after that i go for my run for 30 minutes and then i meditate for 10 minutes and then i start my day i do the same thing but just on their time zone i change time frames that I do it but I continue sticking to the same routine and it all starts from home and developing it into um my my travel schedule okay so when it comes with for example um even flights and also like tran- transit flights mm-hmm. or connected flights how do you go about that um that time when you're in like an airport waiting for the next flight and things like that. And it's in a different time schedule. So how does that sort of happen when you're, you're waiting for that connecting flight to the place that you're traveling to? I always try to plan ahead. So, um, anything that if I'm going to be traveling, then I make sure that I have nothing to do that. I block out my, my, uh, schedule for the travel days plus two. Because a lot of times we have missed our flights, me, uh, flights are delayed or flights get canceled. So I give myself the day of travel plus two days extra of time off and get anything that I need to get done beforehand. And anything, uh, let's say if I have to get something done urgently, then um, that's something that I have developed into my schedule is just knowing how to schedule your time, knowing what, what, um, needs to get done and also communication. So communication is huge. So whoever is on the opposite end, that's waiting for either a deliverable for your uh, message, communicating with them that you will be out of the office or out of frame for X amount of time. And, uh, just making sure that you deliver whatever needs to be done prior to your travels. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when it comes to going back to what you said earlier, when it comes to work and travel and balancing the two and keeping with that routine, time management becomes even crucial when it comes to time zones and the difference in time zones and things like that. So what techniques as a professional do you employ to ensure that they that you accomplish your goal efficiently while also away from your traditional office setup it's definitely having the right equipment with you that's travel friendly so if you need a vpn if you need portable chargers um something that if you want to work still while you're in transit or if you're commuting um and in a different time zone is really developing the right uh scheduling the and it all starts with planning right is planning having the right equipment and just knowing what the priorities are and the objectives are so once you have that in line it helps you with your productivity it helps you with your scheduling and it also helps you know what is it that you have to get done within that duration of time that uh you're off travel Mm -hmm. so it really boils down to 
the planning stage and how you plan that is knowing what the end goal is, what the objectives are, what is it that you want to get done during your travel so you're not only working while you're traveling. If you are, let's say, a digital nomad or if you do have to do both a business pleasure trip, is really knowing what the objectives are, pre-planning and having the right equipment with you while you are uh, traveling. Because a lot of times you can be on a phone call and then your phone dies, you don't have the portable charger. And then what are you going to do? You go rush to a coffee shop, but then you notice, oh no, I don't have the right adapter to the outlet. And it's like, I always carry with me. I wish I had it handy, but I always carry with me my uh, travel kit, which my travel kit has my portable Wi-Fi, my um, portable charger, it has um, all of the, the little gadgets for my phone if I have to do a presentation or if I have like the tripod um, <laughs> and every the adapters of different adapters, everything that I will need in order to have like an office on the go, I have it in a little travel, uh, tra- yeah, travel kit. So it's something that you need to, again, pre-plan, Make sure that you have it on you, with you during your whole trip if you are going on a trip while still planning on working. That is an incredibly handy tip, I think, to anyone who is traveling and still needing to work um, while on the go. I think that's such a cool idea to sort of have a little kit handy and create a little a little collection of things that you would need on the trip. Yeah. Um, Portable office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's at, <laughs> anywhere at the coffee shop or at the airport waiting for your flight is having your portable office and every little gadget that consists in order to um, help you work while on the go. Yeah. Yep. And I think the thing that um, everyone's going to have to remember is the adapter. The adapter is probably one of the biggest things. It's one of... I mean, wow, if I could get a dollar for every time someone asks me for an adapter, I think that I could pay my student loans off by now. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it, it's crazy because it's something that's uh, so easy to remember, but also so easy to forget. Yeah. I think you overlook it as well. You expect it to be similar to your country, even if it's like a Western culture country as well, whether it's like from Australia here to the US, you kind of expect it to be similar, but there is so much of a culture shock that can come in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. And again, it starts with the beginning, like doing your research about that destination, these little things of, um, what's the outlet like there also the, uh, well, like the um yeah like the strength of the electricity oh yeah yeah the yeah the voltage the voltage thank you i have like different languages in in my head (laughs) the voltage that's something that is very important also to take into consideration why because the voltage let's say in the uk versus the us is a lot stronger you Use you go to connect your hair dryer or your straightener, and it can burn your hair. 
Oh yeah. Or the okay. power goes out. So you have to be very careful and just always look at those little details just so something catastrophic does not happen, like burning your hair off. Yeah. Well, well that is a good tip to now, to now note down for everyone listening right now, note that right down to look at the voltage, to look at, to make sure that everything is adaptable and everything can be used. Um, I, I would say safely <laughs> to make sure your hair doesn't burn off or you don't set fire to the place. So I think that's a really good tip to know. Now, I think you have mentioned the fact that not to focus so much on a travel itinerary. However, a lot of people love the idea of itinerary because it keeps you on track of what you're doing, you know where you are, and even it's such a good way for people in people back at home to keep an eye on where you are and what your schedule is like so then they know you're safe, they know you're doing something. But how can it really contribute to productivity and keep you aware of what you're doing while you're traveling? Yeah, that's a really good question. And whenever I help with my clients and consult them on their travel journeys, I do create, I like to say, not travel itinerary, but travel outline. And it's really outlining um, how their travel journey can look like and I say can look like not will look like because I emphasize on the fact that don't depend on your travel agenda or travel itinerary because when you're at that destination you never know what's going to happen you can end up meeting a local and they invite you for coffee at 3 p.m but oh no you have scheduled a museum tour at 3 p.m so you can't go with your friend, your new friend for a coffee and you miss out on a local experience, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always good to have an, a, a travel outline for the duration of the time that you're going to be gone because it is going to save you uh, a lot of energy. It's going to give you peace of mind, at least knowing some sort of um, like key points on what you want to accomplish on that trip. Uh, but also it gives yourself the liberty not to be fixed on a schedule and miss out on spontaneous adventures that can actually enhance your experience there and help you connect with more of, of the locals and give you local experiences. And the only way that you're able to do that is if you're not attached to uh, an itinerary. Mm hmm so it's focused on more the activity rather than the day-to-day, -day, what your everyday is going to look like. Correct. Or not just day-to-day, -day, but how your how each hour of each day is going to look like, right? So at least like the outline, it gives you an idea of at least structure, right? It gives you structure of your overall travel experience. So it's not giving you a fixed time block schedule, but it gives you an idea of what can be done on each day that you are there. For example, let's say you're going to South Korea and you land in Seoul, and then on day three, you have plans to go to Busan. Then at least you know on day three, you're going to Busan. What are you gonna do in Busan? Probably just visit that one restaurant that you plan on going, and then from there, 
whatever happens in between, anything can happen. You can get lost in an alley and end up finding this amazing bar that you meet so, so many people at. It's okay to not have everything planned, but I highly encourage to at least have, yes, a travel outline, just so you have an idea of certain landmarks, certain things that you do want to see, but don't depend solely on that itinerary. Put that time and energy in the travel planning research, like the little menu things that we just spoke about. That is something that I really put time and, and energy and depend on, not the travel itinerary. Yeah, I think especially when it comes to the things that you've booked and the things that you can just freely go in and see. Like I know in London, there's like, for example, I've booked the Harry Potter tour and that's something that's set to a time that needs a time. Whereas if I go to visit a gallery, an art gallery or things like that, there's going to be, I can go any day that I'm there and it's not set on a particular time that I need to be there or a particular day. There's just, okay, I know I want to go there. So I leave a gap or I leave some time where I can just go and visit all of those things in one day that's in that area as well and enjoy that area. Exactly. And I would say that, for instance, if you're traveling to a big city like London, it's good to have a travel outline because what a lot of people, they underestimate is how big London is. London doesn't have one central London location. London is full of different boroughs and each borough has its town center or central London. Uh, so you can't really go to Tower Bridge and then go to East London all the way Hackneywick and enjoy and get to experience the full London in four hours because it takes about an hour to commute to each part of London, right? So then you just miss okay. like a full two hours of the day just commuting and probably getting lost because you have to go overground, underground, take bus. And so you just miss out on so much because you're commuting for half of the day. So in that part, I say it's important or just in any big city, right? It's important to Mm. scope out the travel outline of where you want to go for the next two days and really know what's around the radius. Mm. And then after you find that out, letting yourself go get lost don't have fixed agenda of, um, I highly suggest don't pre book any restaurants unless if it's like a Harry Potter experience that you have to pre book months in advance and that's different, but, um, don't give yourself a fixed agenda when it comes to, you need to eat at six 30, then you have to go to bed at nine 30 whenever you're traveling because you will miss out on a lot that you can experience. Um, if you're not attached to an, to an agenda or itinerary. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a, okay. That's a good lesson. I will keep, I will keep noted and I will make sure that I define it as an outline rather than itinerary and make sure I do not get confused by that. Um, so now we've looked into your professional expertise when it comes to traveling. Now we love to know your personal practices and something that you do yourself that you implement in your own timeline, in your own travel routine. Now, what is a practice that you do to make traveling more productive? 
a practice that I do is really getting to know the culture before I go there. And that's something I do. Yes, I've mentioned it in my professional world of traveling, but personally, it's something that fulfills me is getting to know the language of, of that destination. Also getting myself, my disconnecting from uh, work <laughs> and letting myself really enjoy the journey of traveling and accepting the fact that I can't control everything. Getting myself mentally prepared for that journey and knowing that things are going to go wrong and mm -hmm. not how I plan and just learning that I can enjoy the process of it all. So getting okay. myself mentally prepared is going to help and save me a lot of mental stress when I get there and when certain things get out of control. And what are three good things that you found about going about this practice casually as you're traveling? I have noticed that I'm very, I'm much more patient. Naturally, in, the, in my culture, in the Latin culture, we tend to not be very patient, right? We tend to, uh, in the Latin world, we want things to be done fast and whenever we want it. So I've developed a lot of different skill sets um, enduring these practices and becoming more patient, becoming more open-minded and learning to accept what is instead of focusing on what, what isn't. And it, all of that helps me enjoy the travel experience so much more because whenever we spend so much time and money on our travels, we have certain expectations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those expectations are not met. And we think that the destination and the people there disappointed us, but it's actually, we disappointed ourselves and we ended up having uh, the, a terrible experience during our travels, but it's because we set certain expectations too high. So I've learned to personally not have any expectations, just enjoy the journey that I have taken into planning and um, accept what comes. Okay. And in contrast to that, what are some of the challenges? What's, what's one challenge that you have found going about the practice of learning about the culture beforehand? Cultural shock. Cultural okay. shock, differences, um, me being very open-minded to their culture, to their way of doing things, but not having the same respect shown in, in uh, return. So that is always hard because you get very frustrated and then you kind of, well, I get into a state of shock. I, uh, I then I get a lot of anxiety built up because then I feel like I'm alone. I feel it's not my country. It's not the people that I'm accustomed to or a culture that I'm used to. Mm -hmm. So that does kind of bite you back whenever you give it so much to them, but then you don't receive it in return. But then because 
you do learn how to kind of reshift your mindset and you go into survival mode if you're traveling solo or if you're traveling with a group um you learn to overlook that and not take it too personal and just instead of seeing it as something offensive just use that as an opportunity to teach others about your culture for example um this is a great example so i asked i went to the uk for for the first time 12 years ago and i asked one of my colleagues then why they didn't tip the server because i <laughs> grew up in the states and then they looked at me and they're like oh you americans are just so naive we don't tip here because we get paid better here if we're servers versus the states where people in the states they have to live off of their tips in order to survive right so instead of taking that as something offensive that he is stereotyping me now because i asked him this question i told him well do you know that in the states the minimum wage is x so they depend on their tips Mm -hmm. he was blown away he's like i didn't know that so instead of me shutting him off and telling him what i really wanted to tell him you know <laughs> i was like you know what use this as an opportunity to educate them on why you asked that question so in the future they will know better so that's how i try to see the good turn into the bad turn into something good all right now we've got a few questions from audience from the audience and a few little looks into what their own travel experiences are like and how they can better make it productive um a couple of them are very similar to what i've asked in the interview questions so i'll just focus on two that are very very, I'm, I'm actually very interested in hearing your response to this. Okay. So the first one is, I went on a trip last month and I was over shopping. How can I make sure that I don't go over budget on my next trip? Ooh, that's a really good question. And I would say, well, my question to that individual would be, were they traveling with a check-in luggage or carry-on luggage? And I asked that because when i travel i always like to travel with a carry-on a just so i don't go overboard in uh packing and it doesn't and i don't want to spend money on buying an extra luggage <laughs> because that just doesn't justify my uh spending but it's really going with a budget in mind i have a, uh, a separate bank account called strictly travel account so it's the money that I put aside for um, booking my travels, for the money that I'm going to be spending during my travels. And I give myself a budget for how much am I going to spend on food, on transportation, and how much am I going to spend on gifts or souvenirs and whatnot. So by giving yourself a budget beforehand and creating that account on the side, it would give you a better overview of knowing, okay, this is how much I can spend and how much to avoid overspending. B 
because it does give you that sort of limitations and is good for you to give yourself limitations when you are traveling because you may not want to overspend because you can put that money towards your next trip. Okay. No, I think that's a really good, um, really good way because I am so scared about going over budget as well. And sort of, I've had the tendency to always have the some money set inside and I have the cash for it just to make it easier. So I don't go over budget. However, I end up always taking my card out for these smallest things. And it's usually for things that whether if I'm hiring a car and I need to put gas in, it's usually for that kind of thing. So there's always that scare that I'm always going to go over budget because I'm not really knowing. And I think gas is such a big thing as well. If you're hiring a car, knowing how much the gas prices are going to be and knowing how to plan the money for that as well. Exactly. Because you don't know if you're going to be paying for liters or for gallons, right? And also something that I suggest is there are a lot of great travel cards because you also want to avoid travel fees, right? Mm -hmm. So there are travel cards like uh, Revolut is one that I highly encourage for people to get because you can create your travel expense um, bank account, you can also use that card and not get charged any travel fees when using it abroad. And also if you are abroad and you end up meeting with a friend who is local there and they end up paying for your tab and you want to pay them half of your tab, whatnot, you can exchange currency within that app and no one will get charged extra transfer fees. So really look into that. Okay, I think I've heard Revolut before from I think a YouTube group called Sidemen, or so they show it a lot. So I'm gonna have to look into that and look into it being used for travel reasons as well. I think that's a really cool it's way. Really good for travels and also helps you budget your travel so you don't end up overspending whenever you don't have to. And I yes. always say. Make sure that you, when you do travel to at least travel with uh, some extra money on the side, just in case of emergencies and whatnot, do carry cash on you from that currency um, because you just never know. A lot of countries like Norway, they don't accept cash. Um, So it is good to have your travel card with a separate... um, account of just safety net Mm -hmm. just in case so always suggest that and how do you know especially when it comes to different countries they talk about like some have cash some use cash only some are card only like you talk about norway not taking cash and only having card is there a way that you can know in advance the country that you're traveling to whether it uses cash or whether it uses card or whether it it doesn't take either. It doesn't take one or the other. Well, the beauty of social media, there's a lot of travel <laughs> bloggers now that specialize in specific countries and not just countries, but different cities that A, you can either connect with or B, follow them on their travel blogs. And there's a lot of great information also on the government sites mm-hmm. of the countries. Um, and it's very important. And I say this with, big exclamation marks behind it before you go to any country look at their government sites 
because it tells you legally which visas you need for how long you can stay there, what are the requirements of you traveling to that country, because nowadays the government and immigration, they're being very strict um, when it comes to traveling to different countries and certain prerequisites that you need to have. And within that, they do explain if you need to have cash, if no cash, and how much cash is acceptable and all of that. So the government sites, a lot of people overlook it. And I always say, look at the government sites because you can never go wrong with what the government tells you to do as a tourist in that country. Okay. Now, the last question from the audience is, I always pack heavy and struggle so much to pack lightly and end up burning, burdening myself on my trip. How can I decrease the amount of things that I bring? That is a great question and a very, and a frequently most asked question and probably is easier said than done when once I give you this response. But the best way is to travel lightly and that's with the carry-on luggage. So making sure, I always say, use the rule number three. So three different tops, three different bottoms, and uh, it gives you space for packing extra underwear or in the or any under um, in interior or yeah in in general and if you want to it gives you room for mix matching and also bringing accessories that you can still be uh, creative with when it comes to your out to your outfits so what I tend to overpack on which is still under the uh, carry-on luggage frame is accessories underwear um and still packing like three tops three bottoms and um three shoes one that i'm wearing and two that i'm packing in my carry-on because you really only end up wearing three of each thing that you end up bringing with you you wear the same shirt probably three times the same pants probably three times and if you're staying at an airbnb you have the um, option there many times, most times if they have laundry there so you can wash your clothes. If you're staying at a hotel, they do have a service that you can wash your clothes. Yes, it's a little bit pricier because they charge per item, but there are options there that you can save time and money. And if you're traveling abroad, you don't want to be traveling with a huge luggage either because it's so much easier to go on trains, transit, travels with just a carry-on. So it saves you time, money. So I would say highly consider learning how to pack with just a carry-on. Maybe not just three tops and three bottoms. That's how I do it now after so many years. But do start with just traveling with one carry-on. And um, I promise you, you are going to be able to do it. I just, uh, my mom, she was one that loved bringing all of her jewelry, that loved bringing all of her shoes. I don't know how many heels she would travel with two large luggages. Now she's an expert in carry-ons and she taught my dad how to travel light with using only one carry-on as well. So it's possible. That is insane. And I think we always forget that we can wash our clothes. (laughs) I don't know how. Somewhere we're like, somehow we're like, oh, what if they don't have a washing machine there? Like every country has a laundromat that you can go and wash your clothes in. And it's not expensive. It's something that's 
usually available in every like small town, even small sector of a town. And even Airbnbs, you can still wash your clothes in yeah. majority of them. I think we always forget, even if we're going for a weekend, we always pack more because we're just expecting the fact that, okay, we're not going to be able to wash the clothes. We need to be able to make sure everything is tidy, everything is there, and we need every single thing with us. Exactly. What I do overpack, though, is in undergarments. That's something that I like to pack with like my socks and because I allow myself to have more room and more space in the carry-on luggage when I pack less tops, especially less bottoms, right? So let's say you're traveling to a cold country, then you need to pack a lot of like, um, you need to be wary on how you're packing your uh, coats, right? Like wearing um, most of the outer coats on you, carry them with you. So just you don't have to carry so much in your luggage. And again, you can always mix match, wash your clothes, laundry uh, places, Airbnb, hotels. You don't have to overpack. It's just something mental that we think that we need to bring our whole closet with us every time because yeah. what if we end up going to that one place and the one outfit that we had in mind stayed back home. It's fine. Accessorize it, mix match. You would be surprised how much more of a fashionista you are than you give yourself credit for <laughs> okay well I love I love sort of trying to figure out how to decrease and how to pack lightly and how to also prioritize the things that you would want to take with you because I know a lot of people they don't want to take so much stuff but they end up bringing things back with them as well because you forget that you end up shopping as well and you yes. end up buying things as you're in that country, whether it's like gifts to other people, which I somehow always manage to do, where I'm buying, where most of my luggage is filled with things for other people rather than for myself. So, so it's always that balance of trying to find, okay, pack lightly on the way there and then you can fill it when you get back yeah. as well. And you won't feel as guilty on uh, your way back, right? Then whenever you're there, because it's a lot harder overpacking when you're getting at the destination and then you're there you don't have space or room and you end up spending more money buying luggage checking in that bag and it's just a total chaos so no exactly now we love this next section which is called the open mic it gives you a chance to talk about anything that you're passionate about and it gives you a chance to talk with the audience directly so in the last minute or so I would love to give you the floor and let you talk to the audience and share something that you are very passionate about yeah something that I'm really passionate about would be it's kind of on topic of what we discussed before because it's something that fulfills me and that I do on a day-to-day -day basis is really getting to learn about different cultures and getting to learn different languages because it's something that defines me is something that describes me and is really funny because people tend to ask me so jessica where are you from and i never know how to answer that question it's to me is one of the hardest questions to answer because i'm from colombian origin born in the states but lived 
most of my adulthood life in Europe. So when I'm in America, people from here, they don't see me as an American. So when I tell people in the States, oh yeah, I'm uh, from here, but you don't sound and you don't act American. I'm like, how am I supposed to act? And then when I'm in Europe, they're like, oh, you are so American because of, of your accent, but then you don't act like the typical American. It's like, yeah, well, I'm Latina. It's like, yeah, but you're not the typical Colombian. I go to Colombia and I, and they don't see me as a Colombian. So it's kind of like, I feel that I don't have an identity, but when it comes to me connecting with different cultures, I find myself in the connection that I have with the different cultures, with the people that I meet, because at the end of the day, I don't define myself as someone or as where I was born, where I grew up, but from my experiences and my connection that I have with the people. So that's something that I'm very passionate about is connecting with different cultures and people uh, because friendships to me, connections is really what defines yourself, you as a person. They always say, tell me who your friends are and, I, and I'll tell you who you are type of thing. So I always try to surround myself with people who are different from me so I can always be learning people who are smarter than me so I can continuously grow and also people from different backgrounds, ethnicity, so that I can continue to feed my cultural competency. And that to me is something that I'm very passionate about. No, it it definitely shows. Honestly, it shows so much that you, especially when it, you talk about not fitting in in one certain place, because you're just you're always surrounded by so many different cultures, and you find yourself so easily immersed in that culture and understanding that culture. And it's so nice to see a person who is okay with not with wanting to know more about different people because you see a lot of people go on holiday and they go traveling and they just expect so much of what they think their natural life is their day-to-day -day life is and they expect that in another country yeah so it's I love seeing people who are just so wanting to understand the different culture that they're setting their foot in especially when it comes to like Thailand and Bali and you see people how they act. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Australians who go there and most of the time you see them act the same way that they would here in another country. And it's so interesting to see other people on the other side who are wanting to know the culture, wanting to know why it's different to their own culture. So yeah, I would love to see this promoted even more and just the whole wanting to understand different cultures promoted yeah. throughout throughout our society, throughout our community, and just see that, okay, there's a lot more than what you're wanting to see. Exactly. And at the end, it really unites us and it brings us closer and, instead of dividing us due to our differences, right? And mm -hmm. we start seeing people for who they are, not for where, where they come from and what they're not according to, you know, certain expectations. So it's, 
And a travel experience that really humbled me was when I traveled to India. Because mm-hmm. that to me was one of the biggest cultural shocks ever. Because I didn't go to New Delhi or Mumbai for my first trip to India. It was South India, this uh, city called Trichy, Tiruchirupali, close to Chennai. And when I arrived there, I took a flight from Colombo, Sri Lanka to, Tiru- to Tiruchirupali, which was like one hour flight. And that transit flight, I was the only non-Indian in the whole entire flight. Um, so, of course, that right there, I was like, wow, this is so different for me. Uh, no one spoke English. And it's really one of the moments where I felt that I developed a lot of strength in communicating and um, not letting myself break down and wanting to give up. And it mm-hmm. really uh, humbled me in seeing how uh, how happily they lived and how much they were giving when they had nothing to give, they, they, they still gave. And a lot of my perspective in certain ways that I perceived things from that culture completely changed. And I came back home and most of my closest friends are, are from India. And just immersing in their culture and really getting to understand like their beliefs, their lifestyle, their, their way of doing things. I respect them and their culture so much that I even implemented some of the way that they do things uh, into my daily habits because of their discipline, of um, how loyal they are to their families. It kind of put things into perspective of, wow, I really take things for granted. Right. So it's certain experiences and certain situations that humble you. And instead of you seeing it as something different and something outside of your comfort zone is why don't you take the best things that you've learned from that, from those differences and implement it into your own so that you can become better as a person. So that's something that I take in from cultural shocks or differences from other cultures is what can I learn from them that can make me a better person. Wow, that is such a, such a good way to end the show as well, talking about culture and talking about um, immersing yourself and understanding the culture around you. Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining me on the show today and for talking about travel productivity, which I, till today, didn't know was a thing and didn't know was something that you can be productive while traveling. I thought it was just, oh, it's so natural for you to take a breath and take a step back from everyday life, not knowing that you can fit your everyday life into a travel plan. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, If there is a way audiences would like to talk to you even more or to even ask questions that I probably have missed, is there a way that they are able to get in contact with you? Yes, of course. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I had such a great chat with you and Thank you for those questions in the audience. Uh, you can connect with me uh, through my Instagram, Travel with Curls. That's curly hair curls, not girls. People always try to <laughs> tend to mix that up. So it's Travel with Curls. Um, and you can connect with me on there. And we can have a chat. And I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Okay, well, that's perfect. And I'll have the link to your Instagram down below. And yeah, you can 
audience, you can connect to Jessica through there and she'll be happy to answer any questions that I know I probably missed some and I probably glanced over, introduced some things that you've probably never heard from before. So it's a perfect way for you to get into contact with her. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys in the next episode. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pp.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.